the Clemson Dubcast. Wednesday, May 4th. Man, it has been too long since our last episode. Several weeks. Uh, spent most of that time focused on our Clemson 30 series at TigerIllustrated.com. Reaching out to a lot of former players, uh, various errors, former football players, Clemson history. And man, it's been a lot of fun. Been really interesting. Not only hearing uh, what they're up to now, but also their thoughts on the portal, name, image, likeness, and all the chaos there. So, if you're not a subscriber to TigerIllustrated.com and looking for a reason, man, this is a great one where we give the floor to some of these high-profile former Clemson guys. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 866 866- Four nine nine zero four five eight one, or online at paramlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In in addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson Market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Okay, catching up with former Clemson baseball coach Jack Leggett. Wow, he's got a lot to uh, get off his chest from the last seven years since uh, the parting with Clemson. And as he readily admits, he hadn't gotten over it yet. Anyway, his words much more important than mine. Here we go. Enjoy. All right. Joined by Jack Leggett. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Larry. How about you? Doing well. Appreciate you. Appreciate you joining us. Um, you and I had touched base a couple of weeks ago. And... Um, I was like, man, it'd be it'd be fun to to have him on just to see what he's up to. So, I guess let's start out by you sharing what you're up to. <laughs> well, I had been doing some traveling and and uh, moved to a new house over in uh, Hartness, uh, which is right between Pelham and Roper on Route 14 in Greenville, and that's been great. And uh, two years previous to that, I. I coached the USA national team, which was an outstanding experience. We went to Panama, won a gold medal, and then went to Taiwan and then to South Korea for the World Cup and uh, won silver medal there and just was associated with some great uh, players. There are now some of them playing in the big leagues right now and uh, and also some great coaches and just had a really, really good experience with USA baseball and kept me uh, in tune with baseball and and all that type of thing I, it's still in my blood it's still there it's not hasn't left it's uh something i think about every single day 
And um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, hope I can stay involved with the game. I just, just love it so much and love the fundamentals of it and love where it's uh, where it has taken me in my life and, and the relationships that I've had. And uh, so I do miss that part of it. I miss being on the field. I miss the coaching. I miss the teaching part of it. I miss the motivational part of it. And I miss the competition. And, uh, but anyway, I just wrote a book. I wrote a book uh, called the ABCs of excellence and, uh, people can get it on Amazon or they can get it through my website, jackleggett.com. And, uh, I also, you know, uh, did 29 coaching videos that are 10 minutes or less that are, I think really good, uh, for players, coaches, parents, business people, anybody, interested in, in uh, and those are called the qualities of a winning coach and athlete in a winning program but they uh, relate to all parts of life and the abcs of excellence is a is a book for coaches players parents athletes uh, of any sport and um, business people anybody who wants to achieve uh, a little bit better chance of, ex- uh, of achieving excellence in their life and it's it's gone uh, it's gotten popular and it's been great and uh, that's been going on for the last year or so and and I'm proud of how that's been going. So been busy. Yeah, I remember you. Um, I guess a few years ago, you you called me and asked me sort of advice on the the book writing thing as it was sort of the the early stages of of you trying to figure that out. Tell me what that was like. Like, how do you? I mean, obviously. A baseball coach book writing is not uh, in your in your wheelhouse, so to speak. So, how did you uh, take me take us to the beginning of that, and 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 how you uh, how you went through that process? Well, I had always thought about you know doing something like this. I've I've written part of a book, uh, you know, that uh, the ABCA uh, put out called Baseball Skills and Drills, and I did that a long time ago, maybe twenty years ago, and so I did the defensive part of that. And uh, another coach did the uh, pitching part. Another coach did the offensive side of things. And so that was that was my first experience at it. And I actually did it when I had a broken neck 20 years ago or, you know, 22 or three years ago. And I just sat down with a collar on my neck when I couldn't do much else and, and jotted things down. This time, I always had this idea of, you know, what I thought was important to achieve excellence in, in your job or in coaching uh, or as an athlete or in your business or whatever it might be. And I always jotted down ideas and, and uh, I just thought a simple way of doing it was to do the ABCs of it. So I started out with, you know, just going right through the alphabet and the A's, you know, I talk about attitude and adaptability and aggressiveness, how important that is and being successful, handling adversity availability, appreciation for what uh, all those have helped you along the way, accountability, and go right into B, balance, body language, being prepared, battle to the end, you know, those type things, and confidence and C's, and just go right through the athlete, I mean, through the alphabet, all the things that are important, I think, to being successful and and achieving, um, you know, a better better chance of achieving excellence in your life. And so, anyway, uh, I used a... um, I think it's called Dragon, and uh, with my computer, and I got it from Best Buy, and uh, I could speak into it, Larry, and I could it would do the sentence sentences for me. Uh, 
and I would have to make some adjustments uh, with punctuation, maybe once in a while or spelling or something. But other than that, I could pretty much dictate rather than write it down by hand. And it made it go much so much easier. And it was uh, it was kind of fun to do. And I could go back and change it and, and those kinds of things, uh, you know, just verbally, which was which was really good for me. Because I started writing it and I go, oh, my, this is going to take me forever. <laughs> and uh, so it worked out pretty good and uh, sent the rough drafts to the publisher. And that yeah, was helping me with all this. And it came out good. It's a paperback. And, um, you know, it's it's something you can read in a couple of days, 170, 169 pages. And and uh, proud of it. So it was a work. It was work. But at the same time, the, the thing that took more time it was a little bit more of a struggle for me was doing the videos because, you know, you have to edit and, and cut and paste and all that kind of thing. And so I had some help, um, you know, computer wise, uh, because I, I'm not all that great at that. But I put together those. They're on my website as well that uh, people can get. And I think they're they're very, uh, you know, they're very worthwhile as well. And those are called uh, the qualities of a winning athlete and coach in a winning program. And, and, uh, I think those are a lot of fun to, to listen to. You don't have to do them all one day. Obviously you can do one a day and no more than 10 minutes. So, um, I think they they fit into people's schedule that are interested in learning. Who's the publisher of the book and how did you go about finding, uh, finding that? The publisher of the book is, uh, I, I worked with a, a guy named Matt Morse, um, and uh, he was very good about being able to take um, my information and send it off to the publisher. I can't even, I'm trying to figure out who it is. Um, anyway, Matt Morris was my, you know, was my conduit to all that. And uh, his contacts with the publisher um, took care of everything from there. And he's, uh, he does a great job. He, he has a uh, he represents a lot of coaches uh, who are interested in doing videos and doing books and speaking at clinics and you know mentoring and and all those types of things and and uh, he's been very helpful to me. And then a website. I'm I'm assuming you're not administering the website. Somebody else is doing that. How did you uh, How did you go that. about about doing that? He's doing that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he's doing that as well. Handling my website and. Uh, and adding everything that needs to be added onto it so people can get to the, you know, to the book and get to the video. And I also do have done some clinics and I've done some speaking to teams. I've done some mentoring to other people and, and uh, programs. I've gone off to some high schools and, you know, worked with their players and talked to their teams and so forth. And so uh, and spoken to the national convention in Nashville, Tennessee, a few years back. And then, um, you know, spoken at some other conventions and uh, some other clinics. So um, he kind of helps me with those things and uh, arranges them at times. And if I find one on my own or there's people that call me a lot and ask me to speak to the teams or do a clinic or uh, help them or give some advice of some sort. And so I'm on the phone constantly with either my former coaches or people that I know. And a lot of times some people that I don't know uh, originally. So, that's been interesting too. I love talking to coaches and love talking to teams and love, love meeting out on the field and trying to help kids become better. And you live in Greenville. I do. I live in Greenville. Yep. 
Yep, in Greenville, and and uh, right uh, in, a, in a development called Hartness, right on Route 14 between Roper Mountain and Pelham Road, and so easy, easy access to Greenville and the airport and the interstate and all that kind of thing. So it's worked out really good. What is your? Can you give an idea of what your schedule is like? I mean, like last week, you were last weekend you were up in North Carolina, uh, doing doing something. Like, what is it? Just um. Is it totally jam-packed or is it unpredictable? Uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty flexible and, and it's not jam-packed. I just have, you know, I have a lot of free time, and, but I think about baseball all the time and I think about coaching all the time and I think about, you know, as a strategy all the time. And I watch a lot of baseball. I watch a lot of college baseball on my iPad and, you know, I can put it on my TV and and I watch it like a regular game. But I, I just follow my coaches. I follow my coaching tree and former players that are coaching and all that kind of thing and, and favorite teams and, and trying to watch what's happening within the, the conferences, SEC, ACC, and, you know, all of the, all of the conferences in the country. And, and uh, I used to be on the division one baseball committee. So I was always in tune to seeing what's happening throughout the country and who was playing well and so forth. And, and so, um, and I talk to the coaches a lot and I text them a lot and we text back and forth a lot and they have tough times and they text you or things are going good and they text you, you text them and you let them know that you're thinking about them. And that's important to me. You said that you miss it every day. Um, mm-hmm. is, is, was there anything about life outside of baseball that you realized, wow, I wasn't able to do this. And this is something that I missed when I was totally consumed with my with coaching for the last however many years? Yeah, there's been, a, you know, pluses and minuses of it. You know, I've, I obviously wanted it to end in a better way, in a, in a more classier way, in a, in a more deserving way, I thought. And uh, so that's that's been tough to uh, to think about and, and tough to, to swallow. Um, but I also have been able to get involved with USA Baseball, which I, I couldn't before because I was so – entrenched in my job at Clemson and was so loyal to that that I didn't want to give up a summer with USA baseball because I wanted to keep on recruiting for Clemson and for our teams and run our camps and, you know, bring kids in and all that kind of thing. So, uh, that experience has been great. We've also been able to travel to, you know, Italy and Austria and, and up into Germany a little bit. It was a great, great, uh, trip we were gone for a month and then did another three-week trip to france and and uh monaco and over to barcelona spain and that was awesome and okay we've got an rv and and uh, pull along behind my uh, truck and we've been to vermont and maine we've been out to colorado uh and, and done that whole deal and then we've done uh down into the grand canyon up into colorado again up into wyoming and and uh up into uh, the Tetons and Yellowstone and over into South Dakota and back and all that kind of thing for the uh, Harley rally. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was all my bucket list to get a Harley. I got a couple Harley Davidsons that I'd like to ride. So uh, we've been able to do some things that I normally wouldn't have been able to do for sure. Um, I just, uh, um, you know, wanted to end on my own terms and, and uh, felt I deserved that. And, uh, thought we had something really in the future ready to go you know it was on on a on a rise we had some really good players coming in and had some uh 
some good players coming back. So, so anyway, and it, it didn't work out and I've been on to something else and, but it still is, it's still in my, still in my craw a little bit because, uh, I've always felt that Clemson, you know, was, was a little better than that and how it ended. And, um, but at the same time, um, you know, I've got my relationships with my players that are awesome. I've got a relationship with my coaches and all the people, uh, that I worked with are still really strong. And, uh, so got a lot of great memories too. Can we sort of unearth, uh, sort of how it ended? And I guess by doing that, maybe go back a year, uh, before the season, or I guess after your second to last season there, you know, you, it's, it's customary to sit down with your AD, in this case, Dan Radakovich, and he sort of gives his take on, on things and, and, and expectations moving forward and all that. What was a, a, a year before uh, the parting? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, mm-hmm. By your recollection, what was the sort of the progress okay. report uh, from him and, and, and what he expected uh, just from your... Well, I was, I was uh, in a three-and-a-half-hour meeting, as you know, and I, you know, said everything I needed to say. He said everything he needed to say. Walked out of there, went recruiting. We ended up having an unbelievable recruiting class the next year that was coming in. I think he, he knew that. Uh, with the new facility, I had been involved in the in the new facility, uh, raising money, uh, in the planning of it, the graphics, the plan of the facility, the flooring the furniture you name it I've been involved in it all the meetings and and it was the, ex- the expectation was that we would get in, in there and things were going to be things were going to be good and so when i left that meeting and everything indication in that meeting i felt good i came out of the meeting and a, and a day later uh read something you know <laughs> on the internet that it indicated something totally different and it was a private meeting but it didn't become private evidently and next thing I know, uh, you know, went through the whole next year and I was, you know, honestly just led in a different direction. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, um, honestly, it wasn't being honest. People weren't being honest with me. But anyway, we went through the year. We made a regional and uh, out in California came back and had another meeting and, you know, uh, <laughs> People would be upset, I guess, if they knew exactly everything that went on in that meeting. But I, I've been trying to take the high road on it. But we were drawing my contract up on in his grease board up in the office. And every indication was if we do this, 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 and this, how long you want to coach. So I said, as long as the players respond to me and we win. And, you know, um, I feel like I'm on top of my game, and, and which I do and did. Um, I'd be the last one to, to drag things out. Uh, I put my keys on the desk before that ever happened because I have too much pride in what I do and I feel like we've got a great future what, what's going to happen here and we've been very consistent and we're always in the hunt and Clemson baseball is well respected throughout the country and so forth and yeah yeah everything's good everything's good and a day later the the bomb got dropped on me that uh, they wanted to go in a different direction and so I you know I uh you know, I just took it. It hurt. <laughs> Trust me, it hurt. And uh, it still hurts. It still hurts me because we put so much into that program and had a chance to, you know, 45 minutes later, do you want to resign? you want to retire? you want to, you want me to fire you? I go, well, 
if I resign, that tells you that I can't do this job. And I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm the right man for this job. If I retire, that tells you that I'm, uh, I haven't got the energy to do this anymore. And that's way off base. So I guess you're going to have to do what you need to do. So that's how that happened. Um, I just, it was, it was a, it was a will that, that, uh, I wanted to, to, to take it that way because I didn't feel like the other two were appropriate for how I felt at the time. And um, so anyway, that it just it didn't uh, it didn't go the way that I would expect that things would happen at Clemson. And I think uh, probably behind the scenes was telling people something that it might not have been correct. And I had had choices to do this or that. Now we uh, we talked about it like men. And uh, I, I got a much different impression of uh, what was coming out of that meeting than, than evidently he did. So anyway, it's it's been tough because I loved Clemson. I loved my association with it. Um, players, there's 20 years of Clemson baseball players that have been disappointed. And uh, so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, my relationship with them will never never end we've had such a great relationship and we get together and we talk all the time and uh, i've got probably 400 names in my in my phone because i keep in touch with these guys and text and and let them know i'm thinking about them all the time and uh so that part of it will always be strong and and that's the part that is most important to me that i remember the most and can we go back the year before that where you said that y'all had a meeting three and a half hour meeting and you came out of it feeling good, but then, but then you saw something on the internet. What are you, what are you talking about? I don't remember. Um, mm-hmm. Can you refresh? Uh, well, you know, I really want, to, really want to rehash it, but I came out of that meeting, like it was a private meeting between me and the athletic director and Kyle Young was in there. So it was a private meeting. We talked about what we needed to do and where we wanted to go with direction of the program all that kind of thing and so we walked out of there and everything's fine i went to a um get together for someone else in the department and uh you know got back home and i got a couple calls go did you see this on the internet next thing i know was uh, from down in charleston the charleston paper a writer down there had written everything that happened in that meeting (laughs) you know that was said in and uh, it was uh, we went over the meeting. So all of a sudden, what was a private meeting between me and the athletic director became a very uh, public meeting on the internet, and uh, from a writer in Charleston. So next thing I know, um, you know that was very upsetting because I, I considered every meeting that I have with, with an AD behind closed doors is is. Uh, it's private and we talk about it. We hash it out like men and move on. And, uh, but I think a call was made to a couple of two or three writers after that and, and, uh, spilled the beans about what happened in the meeting, what we talked about in the meeting. And the next thing you know, it's public knowledge. So that was, that was very tough on the players. I think it was tough on my coaches and it was tough, tough on me. And it, it kind of set the table for what, you know, I think the plan was, <laughs> Um, and what he hoped would happen in another year. So that, that kind of, I could see at that point where the direction, you know, where, where his mindset was anyway, which was, which was tough, made the last year tough because I, I never felt comfortable. And every time we won, it was like a relief. And every time we lost, it felt like we lost, you know, 10 games. 
And so it wasn't uh, the support wasn't there that you that you would hope for, and the players could feel it, coaches could feel it, and uh, it made it more difficult for sure. I apologize, I don't remember the specifics of that, but was that when um, there was like a list of adjustments that the program yeah. was going to make, like hiring a psychologist or something like that? Yeah, and- yeah, all, all that kind of stuff that was talked about in a meeting, but um, was just you know private stuff you talk to your athletic director about and but evidently i think he wanted everybody to know you know what went on the meeting and trying to set the table for what i think his real agenda was which is another year or two down the road what he wanted to do and so um that was disappointing that was disappointing well what do you say when when something like that when when your belief is that it's going to remain private and then it's out there. How do you handle that with, with the AD? What, how did you handle it once it was out there and then you weren't happy about it? Um, I don't think I, I don't think I made a big deal about it. I think I was just disappointed. And, uh, just at that point I felt like, okay, there's a different agenda here that, uh, is not normally what I'm used to when I deal with, a you know, with an athletic director and, and uh, with administrator and, and you talk about things and, and you move on and you make the adjustments you got to make and so forth. And so I, I, at that point, you know, I'm just a trusting guy. So I was probably a little naive. I probably should have gone in and, and said, Hey, what's going on here? But I just went about my business and I've always felt comfortable in the job that I was doing and, and uh, my relationship with my players and what our program meant to, uh, everybody and and the in the ACC and how well it was respected and how well it was uh, received throughout the country and and uh, and perceived and so I never really you know at that point I go you know I kind of in the back of my mind thought okay something's going on here but at the same time you know I just trusted the process I trusted the fact that I had a meeting and I looked him in the eye and he looked me in the eye but it, we were looking in different eyes I guess. Do you think the the program had slipped at that point? Uh, I don't think so. I think we had a you know we hadn't got to the World Series, but we had you know when we get to the uh, NCAA tournament twenty one years and and you get to nine super regionals, which people are finding out is tough, and six World Series and. Uh, players are playing tough and you're in the middle of everything and you're, you're consistently in the hunt and going to regionals. And, you know, we didn't have great luck the last, you know, the last one and the one before. And, uh, but at the same time we had good players, loyal kids. We, you know, we had a really good makeup of kids coming in. We had, you know, Seth beer was committed. We had Logan Davidson, who was a younger player who was already committed to coming first round type kids. Cal Raleigh was committed. We ended up going to Florida State because he didn't like how this was handled. Jackson Coar was committed. Those two guys are playing in the big leagues right now, and he ended up going to University of Florida, and he didn't like how things came down. So we had four first-round type kids that were coming to school that uh, set the table for an unbelievable run. And, uh, you know, personally, I think, as I look back, that he saw that. He saw the new facility. He saw, took the, uh, you know... <clears throat> took our recruiting list 
uh, which I was naive about it. Why would he want a recruiting list? But and uh, um, with a new facility and the academic common market coming in, um, felt like okay, if I make a change now, somebody's going to come in and you know hit the jackpot. And uh, so I think um, as I look back, I was a little naive on all that, but um, a little smarter now. You said he took the recruiting list. What do you mean by that? Well, he asked for the recruiting list of our of our recruits that were coming in. Uh, and uh, it was the day before. And so I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's kind of strange. The day before? Before he made a change. Okay. Made a change. And so, uh, you know, several times I would never want to be the guy to fire Jack Leggett. And, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> I heard that probably three or four times. I go, well, I don't know. If, I know we're not talking about it. So let's go on to the next thing. Drawing my contract out on the on the grease board, tell, crossing things out, adding more, telling me this is what we'll give you. And uh, I leave, and the next day it's all changed. So <laughs> I was led I was led in a different direction. Let's put it that way. And so I I knew when he took the recruiting list, I go that's kind of Kind of strange, but he wanted a copy of it. So evidently, when he made the move, he'd have he'd know who the recruits were coming in and wouldn't wouldn't lose that. And so, anyway, there was a lot of things uh, that that uh, I think if people really knew, and, and like I say, I tried to take the high road on the way out, and I didn't say what happened in the meeting. But you know, there's a few things that I think if people knew exactly what happened that meeting they'd be shocked and uh and disappointed really but at the same time it is what it is to answer your question no i don't think our program was going in a bad direction i just think we had a a year or two that wasn't as good as maybe what we wanted but you're seeing now that you know getting the ncaa tournament is not an automatic thing and so we were there you know pretty much every year and getting to nine super regionals. My first three years there, we went to the college world series twice. The first seven years, you know, we've been going seven years now, with this program, seven years, we'd been to the world series three times. We'd have been to two super regionals at that point because they, they had just come into, uh, you know, existence, I think in 1999. And we went to world series in 2002, 2006, 2010. So, um, I don't know. Just a lot of lot of good things in our program. A lot of things on the horizon with a new facility and the academic common market coming in and new and a really good recruiting class and and so forth. I felt like uh, okay, no problem. We're just we're back on track. And so um, no, I don't think there was a decline at all. I just think it was uh, you know we just didn't hit it just right the last year or two, but we were still in the hunt, which uh, I think. Some fans are finding out it's not an automatic thing. It's something you have to work at. But from after ten, correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong. There was no super regional mm-hmm. appearance when that had really and obviously uh, you built it. You know the standard was oh yeah, you know sort of super regional is almost like a baseline. It felt like was that mm-hmm. too was that too grandiose of a of an expectation? You think looking back and the people got too um, caught up in, in that being the baseline when it realistically, you, you're saying you, you think that 
just making the tournament every year was something that should have been um, should have been valued more as a as the standard. I think what should be valued is that the the consistency of our program for twenty two years, right, and and the fact that our kids graduated, we had one hundred and thirty kids or whatever, uh, forty one hundred forty kids played professional baseball. 35 of them or so during that time playing the big leagues. Um, kids were happy. They played hard. They, we had great crowds. We had good things on the horizon uh, that I had worked hard for. I put $25,000 of my own money into that, in that facility to, to kick it off and have never stepped foot in it. Um, that's embarrassing. <laughs> you know, to, I mean, I, that's something that is, is not uh it bothers me a little bit, you know. I was involved in every every phase of that facility, and have never stepped foot in it. And uh, so, I, I think there were a lot of things that were not Clemson-like that happened, uh, and uh, that 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 hurt. And uh, for the amount of time that I put in there to that program for 22 years and 24 years, two years with Coach Wilhelm and. And, uh, you know, for 56 years or whatever it is, we had two coaches and had a solid program. We were recruiting and getting kids out of other states that were coming to school here for for a lot more expense than what they could have gone in state in Georgia or Florida or wherever else. Um, we had uh, just gone into Hall of Fame in 2014. Um, I deserved more, I thought, more respect. Uh, I had 600 text messages. It took me 11 days to get back to all the texts of people from players to coaches in this conference, heard from every coach in this conference, every coach uh, but one in the state of South Carolina. I I heard from everybody that I played against. Um, it, was a, it was a shock, you know, to the baseball world because of the reputation that Clemson had and that I had and that our program had and the respect that we had. And so um, to answer your question, Larry, I don't think that the program, obviously, you know, I mean, look at Dabo. He set, the, he set a standard that's unbelievable. So now you go nine and three and everybody goes, oh, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And don't, don't make the college playoff. But still great program, still great coaches, um, players. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible. Um, you know, if you set a standard, um, you're, in my opinion, allowed a little bit of leeway when things don't go right. So we had a we had a tough time in 2008, okay? Well, we didn't make the tournament one year out of the 22 I was here. Okay, but we were in a Super Regional in 2006 and went to the College World in 2006, two years before. And we were in a Super Regional and went to the College World Series in 2010 afterwards, two years afterwards. So you're you you're gonna have an up and down here and there. You're gonna have a hiccup here and there. But at the same time, look at the track record of the program and and now you're seeing oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe the program was pretty good and and pretty good over a long period of time. So I I I don't think the answer to your question is it was on a downslide. No. I think it was okay. We want to do a little bit better than we did last year. That's what we're, that's where I was with it. And look what we got coming in. Look what we got coming, and look what the future holds. And uh, you know, 
I thought I deserved to be a part of that future and that chance rather than somebody else coming in, sitting in my office, looking down at the field and sitting in, <laughs> sitting in the facility um, that I had contributed to and, you know, done an awful lot of work toward the, the development of and, and, and with the program too. So, and I was just hoping it was at some point I would hand it off to somebody like Coach Wilhelm did that where it's an easy transition, somebody who knows what the program is all about and what the tradition of this program is all, what the history of the program is all about. When I took over the job and uh, when Coach Wilhelm, you know, they eased me into it. I recruited for two years, Benson, Koch, you know, Monaghan, <laughs> you name it. Um, and the next thing you know, we go to College World Series two out of the first three years, but it was a smooth transition. And uh, I always wanted Coach Wilhelm's players to feel like they were part of the program, and I wanted Coach Wilhelm to feel a part of the program, and I wanted to meet him at the at the uh, net before games when he wanted to come. I wanted him to talk to our team. I wanted him to be. I wanted him them to know the history of the last thirty six years that he was the head coach at Clemson, and I wanted them to appreciate that. And unfortunately, you know, I think that's been lost. We've lost, you know, twenty. Two years, two over two decades of players have been disappointed how this was handled, and uh, and unfortunately, um, that was a really really good period of of Clemson baseball that has kind of been forgotten. There's nothing on the fence that commemorates the years we were there. There's nothing that is nothing says we we're there. I think it was tried to be erased the last seven years, and that's. You know, that's disappointing as well. There's just nothing up there. You walk in the stadium and it doesn't say I was ever there or the baseball program was was there and or that the era was there. And that's not like Clemson, that's not like Clemson. But it was done for a reason to hope that things became successful and and that uh, you know, I think the A D could feel good about making the change and didn't wanna and hopefully it worked out right. And you know, I I always hope for good things for, for Clemson baseball. I, I don't want it to, to flounder, and I don't want it to be unsuccessful. Um, I just wanted to be a part of it for as long as I knew I could do this job and uh, pass it on, keep it going, come to the games, feel wanted, talk to the team, um, go down to practice, you know, be a part of it. But unfortunately, it's it's kind of it's kind of um, you know it hasn't happened that way. Who was the one coach in South Carolina who didn't call you, reach out to you? I'll let you all figure that one out. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's is that's one disappointing thing. Uh, coached against this person at, at two different schools, and, and we had some great rivalry games, and it just never heard. I heard from everybody. I've heard from everybody you can imagine, and uh, it was uh, it was a good feeling, but it was a tough feeling because because of how it ended. But it, it was uh, it was nice to know that it was appreciated by a lot of people and had a lot of good friends out there and a lot of people that I enjoyed the competition with. What was your relationship like? Amid the competition over the years, over all those years, uh, your relationship with Ray Tanner, what was it? What was that like over the long haul? Well, I thought it was good. You know, 
from my side. I, you know, I respected the programs, respected the competition. It was intense. It was fiery. It was, you know, we got the best of them sometimes. They got the best of us sometimes. They got the best of us a couple times in Omaha. We got the best of them sometimes at our field, their field. But I think, you know, I thought that he had respected our program and I, I respected their program and respected the, the competition and how how intense it was. I don't and really been like that since I think it's been because both teams were Omaha type teams and uh, during those er- during the era, and so that made the arrival even more intense. So you know I always I always thought the relationship was was good. I think uh, I think he and. Dan Radakovich had a had a close relationship, and I think that he leaned on Ray Tanner about this job and uh, about the about this whole transition thing. And I think maybe he didn't, uh, you know, maybe just didn't uh, reach out because of uh, you know felt like he was in the in the middle of something <laughs> that, that maybe uh, that I knew about, you know. But so that's a it's a little difficult situation, which is too bad because I always had a, a good relationship with everybody I coached against. When they when South Carolina wins at all, back to back years, that's obviously that's not easy for you <laughs> or anybody no. in the program to see that. Did you reach out to him just sort of as a professional, you know, courtesy or? to say, you know, way to go. What, what, what is that like as you're trying to, how do I handle this as the rival coach when my rival gets to the top of the mountain? Um, it's difficult in this, in this state, you know, it's like, you know, Terry Don Phillips told me one time, he goes, the good thing about Arkansas, he goes, is Arkansas, the university of Arkansas is the king. There's nobody, there's nobody there. You know, it's not like being in Alabama, you got Alabama and Auburn, you got, Florida State and Florida, you know, you got some, you know, got some rivalries, and here you got South Carolina, Clemson. So it makes it a little bit more intense, but, but also it's kind of it's neat because you had two baseball programs are banging away at the World Series. So, you know, we met them at the World Series, so obviously shook their hands, congratulated them, you know, went off to the press conference, and, and that was it. And uh, so I always thought I handled it with class. It was always tough if you if you lose to them especially in that situation. But I was also proud of the teams we had. <laughs> I mean, in 2002, we got Cleo Green and Jeff Baker and Michael Johnson and David Slevin and, and Jared Schmidt and Steve Reba and Matt Henry. And, you know, we got an unbelievable team. And so there's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, we just wish you had, we had scored a few more runs uh, in in those scenarios. But it's not like, you know, it's unfortunate because you – and 24 hours later, you're on a bus, or you know, actually, less than seven, eight, ten hours later, you're on a bus headed back home. You end up, you now you're in mesh shorts, and you got a Clemson baseball T-shirt on, and you're you're meeting campers, and you're giving a hitting lecture. And you know, 24 hours earlier, you were in Omaha, so things happen quick. It's it's not easy, and not an easy transition. But you know, the one thing that I always felt love, felt like is, well, people should always feel proud of your team. Got the College World Series. You represented them well. We had a College Baseball Player of the Year. We, um, you know, had a great season. And so it's difficult when when uh, you get beat, 
in Omaha. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, if you look back and you're realistic and you're, you know, you, you, you're pride in your school, you know that you had a good season and okay, let's move on to the next, let's move on to the next thing. You said that you wanted to go out on your, on your terms. And part of those terms were that sort of the similar succession plan, as from Wilhelm to you, did you have anybody in mind that you were grooming for that, or somebody you you thought that uh, down the road, hey, this this is a this is the ideal person to sort of carry on that that lineage? Um, you know, I hadn't really got to that point yet, Larry, because I still had I I feel so like I had good years in me. It wasn't like I was going okay. I'm the last two years, uh, you know, um, they figure out who's going to take over. But um, so I wasn't in that mindset at all. I guess I just was hoping that, you know, I could wave to the fans on my last time out when I had had enough and uh, let them know how much I appreciate them and let them know how much they appreciated our program. Um, just like, you know, like like the old Clemson did, you know. And um, so I was hoping that would happen when I felt like it was time. I wasn't close to feeling that way, to be honest with you. I wasn't like, oh, God, I only got one or two more years in me. I just felt good. That's why I coached the USA team and relate to those 18-year-old kids. I had an awesome time with those kids. And so uh, and they keep in touch with you like you, know, like you coached them forever. And I don't, some of them I only had like two or three weeks. But the, it became an, an impression on them that, and they learned a lot. They appreciated the time we spent with them and the coaching we gave them and all that kind of thing. So, and the fun times we had. So I wasn't at that point where I was zeroing in on somebody to take over. I was just trying to do the best job I could do for Clemson and, and hopefully uh, in the end have some say in it and, uh, and see where it would fall. You mentioned the academic common market. So we sort of have to maybe, explain that some just in layman's terms i remember standing out in right field with you one evening after a practice and you we spent about a half hour at least you were explaining it to me all the finer points of it which i didn't know can you perhaps because you said y'all y'all were getting into the academic common market at the time of the partying and things were looking up in that respect is there a way you can sort of encapsulate i mean some people know what that is but others others probably don't um maybe just how big of a deal it was uh, where other schools could take advantage of it and maybe Clemson wasn't in position to for a while? Yeah, well, I, I think during my whole time to last year, we didn't have that. And so the academic common market is basically there are certain states that have an agreement with Clemson that um, if Clemson does not offer a major, or, I'm sorry, that the state does not offer a major that Clemson does, that those kids from that state could come to Clemson for in-state tuition. And so, see, South Carolina had this all along. They had several kids from Virginia, Jackie Bradley and all those guys, kids. They had a good crew of kids from Virginia. I go, how come they got eight kids from Virginia on their team? And the reason was they were able to get these kids for half price, and so their scholarship would go twice as far, really, as ours. Nobody seemed to know that or care about it at the time. But so we're dealing with, with uh, you know, they had the academic common market. So they were getting kids from certain states in Georgia, I think Alabama, Ohio, Virginia. There's just several states that, that uh, have an agreement. And so 
a kid could come to school there for, you know, in-state tuition, which means it didn't hurt toward their baseball scholarship. And then you give them 25% or 50% past that, and you got a kid on a full scholarship, but he only counts 50% towards your, you know, towards your uh, scholarship money. So your money goes twice, you know, goes a lot further. And you've got other school, private schools that have the same thing where they can give kids money. You've got Arkansas. has got the neighboring states. If you touch the state of Arkansas, they can go to Arkansas. A kid from Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Missouri, whoever touches Arkansas can go there for in-state tuition. So you've got lots of deals going on in baseball. It's, it's totally different than any other sport. But Clemson didn't have, you know, at the time, all the time that I was coaching, it was just basically if you wanted a kid out of Georgia, you if you gave him 30%, 40%. He was turning down 70% the in-state scholarship, the Hope Scholarship in, in Georgia. He was turning down, you know, 30% baseball and the Hope Scholarship, and he was turning down 70% or 80% in Georgia to come to Clemson for 30%. We And we got some great kids out of Georgia. We were crushing georgia all the way up until 2015 and so um it was because we had experienced coaching we had great facilities we had you know tradition um you know we were winning and and they loved our pro we had been to omaha and all that type of thing so it was it was good recruiting and uh, we were in a hunt with everybody we wanted to be in hunt with so um but the academic common market is it was a real help and I don't know how many years they had it, five, six, and, and I don't know if they've got it now. But So they had a, a good opportunity with that, I think, for several years. And we're getting kids or able to get kids for in-state tuition, which, which helped the scholarship thing. So there was another advantage that was, that was coming this way for a while. And um, so that's what that is all about. That, the academic common market was something that, that helped your baseball scholarship go further um and get kids in from certain states uh accepted with in-state tuition which was a, a significant amount for a kid coming from out of state and then you give him some baseball money and the next thing you know he's got a pretty good scholarship and so that was what the academic common market was all about if you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803 774 0435 or go to uptownrealtysc.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Another loyal supporter 
of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. And then I think a separate item that's pretty important, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the need-based aid that schools such as Vanderbilt, Virginia, North Carolina, uh, schools with huge endowments, a kid is able to go there and not count not count toward the 11.7 but they're able to give them quote unquote need based aid so it's basically you're creating extra scholarships from your from your considerable endowments is that the right way to put it it's exactly it. and so if a kid goes to one of those schools and he has a need and he might be a minority or he might be a kid that doesn't have a good financial uh, situation at home or parents don't make a lot of money whatever so it, you can get a kid uh, to get his full need met because their endowment is so large. They're in the billions. And so um, it's a huge advantage, <laughs> huge advantage. Uh, you, you have to use a kid, a kid. So you want to give a kid, you know, 30, 40% scholarship. You just tell him to apply for financial aid. Whoops, his whole need gets met. So now he gets a 90% scholarship or 100% full need. And... Now you got a really good player, and you save in your thirty percent and forty percent. You were going to give him, and it, gets, it goes to somebody else. So I mean, it, your money goes a lot further, and you don't have to worry about having the twenty-seven guys on scholarship like, like we had to worry about all the time. And then you have eight guys that weren't on scholarship at all because of the NCA rules, and so that made it, you know, that made it tough. You had to work really hard on on kids that weren't on scholarship to make them feel comfortable because you couldn't give them any. And so there was a, some difficulties. There's no question about it, scholarship-wise. But you know, everybody look from the outside looking in. You think, oh, everybody's got on a full scholarship. No, that's not happening. It happens in football. It happens in basketball. It happens in women's basketball. It happens in volleyball. But it does not happen in in, in any other sport. And so it's uh, it's one of those things where you have to balance it. You have to negotiate, and you have to make you know <laughs> to you know, make deals here and there and you don't know where the kid's coming back as junior year or not from the draft and you might have spent his money. Now he decides to come back because he didn't get drafted as high. Now you gotta figure out how you're gonna make that work. And and um, so it, it is scholarship was always a very difficult uh, difficult thing to, to manage. Um, but we always always worked it out. You just talked about in the terms of uh, the scholarship part, the you use the terms uh, negotiations and deals. Uh, those two terms now in 2022 uh, have a whole new meaning in the era of name image likeness and the transfer portal. What do you make of this? Because we know that while the big headlines are football and basketball related, that absolutely this is going on at the baseball level. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you, even though your boots aren't on the ground, literally, so to speak, in a, in a coaching right. role, you still talk to a lot of people. How is this affecting baseball uh, as this thing continues to move uh, with such velocity? Well, you know, my opinion is it is totally out of control. 
the, the NIL is, you know, I, I get it. Everybody's got to say, you know, everybody needs to get paid and all this kind of, you got to say it or else, you know, um, but in reality, I'm not sure everybody says what's really on their mind because it's, it's difficult, you know, I mean, you know, you start, somebody's making a, you know, now, now you got guys, you see Miami basketball player. I don't know whatever happened to him. You know, somebody coming in, it's getting $800,000. So he wants more. And if not, I'm going to the portal and I'm just going to change schools because I'm not getting enough money now. And, and you get, you know, a wide receiver from Pittsburgh thinking that he's going to Southern Cal now because he might get more money. I, I don't, I don't understand how that could ever have happened. I understand how it happened, but I can't understand how this is good for college athletics and college sports and amateurism. So that's, that's number one. Number two, the transfer portal is we're just teaching everybody. If it doesn't work out. You don't get your playing time. Just quit. Instead of working harder, instead of working your way through, I can see if a kid's not on scholarship, like, uh, like we had 27 kids that could be on scholarship and we had eight kids that could not be on scholarship when I was at Clemson. Cause you had 35 on your roster. If one of those eight kids were not on scholarship and needed or wanted to transfer because they, it was tough to afford. I can understand that a kid being on scholarship. Um, um, I'm not sure that that's a good idea to be able to say, I'm just going to transfer portal and cause I'm not playing and to see what, see who, who's out there, who can give me the best deal. Um, I think we're teaching a, a bad lesson to kids um, and just allowing them to, to transfer on a whim and, and move around and, and so forth. I, I'm not sure it's a really good thing for, for college baseball. And I'm not sure it's a good thing for, you know, I mean, you got a couple of kids that are, you know, helping out Clemson right now, the Blackwell kid, the, the uh, Corbett kid in left field, these kids, you know, those kids are playing pretty good for them or have played pretty good for them in general. And they're transfers from other schools. And so, you know, we never really had, had that before. And so they filled a gap and, uh, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's almost like the free agency out there. So I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of things that, that, uh, once you give somebody something, though, it's tough to take it away. It's the transfer portal, the NIL, all those things are probably here to stay. Just got to make the adjustment, figure out the best way to manage it and hope it doesn't destroy your team. And this guy's making so much money over here as a wide receiver, as a quarterback, but I'm a center and I'm, a, I'm not making it or I'm the guard or I'm a tackle. I'm, a, you know, I'm not that marketable. I, I don't know how coaches are managing all that. Um, and keeping the kids focused on just playing football, playing baseball, playing basketball, whatever it might be. Could it be argued or viewed from a distance as you're looking at Clemson baseball that we've talked about these disadvantages over the years of the academic common market and and um, need-based aid uh, other schools are able to give? Like if you get really creative with with NIL, you say, oh, we, we can only offer you this much scholarship money, but we can offset that by giving you this $50,000 deal with a car dealership or something like that. Like, is this an opportunity for Clemson maybe, or is it something that you're just maybe so turned off by that you don't even really want to uh, think about it? <laughs> That's a good question, but I am turned off by it. You know, to me, it's, I went to college to play baseball and football and didn't have any, you know, nobody gave me any guarantees. Nobody told me I was going to have 
playing time. Nobody gave me scholarship at the time. There weren't any scholarships. I just wanted to go play. And uh, to me, that's uh, the majority of the kids that I had. You know, I, mean, I can tell you guys, Casey Stone, Michael Johnson, you know, Hogan's, uh, Kyle Frank, uh, Matt Henry. I mean, I can name player after player, Tyler Colvin. The guys were on $1,000 or, or $200 scholarships. They were paying a lot of money to come to school here. But they wanted to come to Clemson to play baseball, and they wanted to play baseball, and they weren't worried about how many T-shirts they could sell or how much they could ship out or how much they, you know, whatever. They weren't worried about any of that stuff. They were worried about just playing baseball for Clemson, and that to me was, uh, and it's still very refreshing. These guys that, that uh, and, you know, Paul Galloway, I, I can mention uh, guys that came here, Jason Ember, no scholarship, just walk-on players that became really good players for us. And, and uh, but just so many guys that, um, you know, Brian Ellis was our catcher in 2000. I mean, it's just over and over and over, you know, no much scholarship Khalil Green and Jeff Baker were on, it, it blow your mind. You just, they paid a lot of money to come to school here and they're not full scholarship kids. Uh, I mean, they are uh, talent wise, but just because of, of what it was. So they came here because they wanted to play baseball, not how many, you know, name image and likeness dollars they could make. And I look back on it and it was a great, great era of college baseball and, and something I enjoyed and something I think is refreshing and uh, I think uh, I think it's gotten a little crazy. To be honest with you. So I'm hoping I'm hoping everybody keeps in perspective, just plays baseball, basketball, football, softball, whatever it is, and and volleyball, and just plays the sports for what they're you know for what they're all about. You sound like you're ready and fully willing to get back into coaching, but do you really want to get into this? <laughs> <laughs> uh. You know, that's the difficult part of it, but the coaching, I, I look at it as if you treat the kids right and you work them hard and you care about them more than just as baseball players and you are competitive and you're not asking them to do anything you're not willing to do yourself and you come down there with a smile every day and you work hard and you're in the trenches with these guys, I think you can get them to do anything you want them to do. And they're going to be loyal and they're going to be hardworking and they're going to be you know, they're going to trust you, you're going to trust them, and you're going to win baseball games. So that's, you know, and if you know the fundamentals of the game, you know how to coach the game, you know how to motivate them, you know how to keep them on edge all the time, then I think there's a lot to be gained by by coaching and, and getting back, you know, getting back into that arena. The other part of it, um, I guess I would be, it's probably less invasive right now than it is maybe in football and basketball. And uh, so if you can keep it all in perspective and, and keep the kids focused on what they're supposed to be focused on, um, I think you can still have a heck of a time, enjoy the job, enjoy the relationships, create the relationships to last a lifetime and win baseball games. So I think there's, there's a lot to be said uh, in baseball anyway for what you can do, even with these, these new things on the right. I never had guys that wanted to transfer. I never had guys that wanted to you know, they wanted to leave the program. Even the guys that weren't playing much, they're some of the most loyal friends I've got now are the kids that didn't play all that much because of what they learned in the program and, you know, what you what you try to teach them. And, 
them being a part of their of the team and their teammates and the memories that they've got. So um, I didn't have, you know, portal would never be an issue. <laughs> I wouldn't be thinking about it as a, if I was coaching now, it's just one of those things. And I wouldn't be hopefully looking to, to grab kids, kids out of the portal unless, you know, unless you absolutely had to and hadn't, hadn't filled in where you're supposed to recruiting wise. I mean, I guess you, you got to go to the portal a little bit, but otherwise, um, you know, I'm going to try to deal with the kids that I've got in the program and, and, uh, but there are going to be times, I guess, it's like a junior college kid where you try to get a kid for an immediate need. And, and I guess it's just easier now with the portal and, and the amount of kids, 2,000 kids to 2,500, 3,000, whatever in the portal. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. It's just like, it's like, you know, if you, I'm sure there's programs out there right now. That's all I do is look at the portal, say, what can we, what, what can we bring in? What can we, and the same thing with football and basketball. What can we bring in? What can we, you know, Harley, it's, it's it's hurting freshmen coming out of high school now in all sports because now, you know, especially basketball, I would think, you know, you grab a player here and there from the portal. You got one or two players you need that come from wherever. And uh, it makes it difficult for a kid to, to break in as a freshman. And the same thing is true with a, a baseball player. If you take a lot of, a lot of portal guys, you're going to have trouble keeping the kids that you've recruited, uh, developing them happy. Can you describe what it is like watching a Clemson baseball game right now for you? Wow. Um, uh, it's, it's difficult. You know, I watch it. You know, I, I, you know, I, I watch it and, uh, you know, I watch it as a coach and I watch it. You know, I analyze things as a coach. I watch it as a competitor. I watch it as, as somebody who loves baseball. And, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to watch. Not that they're playing, not playing that well or whatever. That's, that's not, it's just difficult because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the Clemson baseball coach. And that's the part that's difficult. Um, as far as how they do on the field and, and, you know, I'm not going to give you an opinion of, of what yeah, I Yeah, I'm, I'm just talking about the conflicting emotions of... of yeah, of I'm the, just thinking the emotion that I just would like to see, you know, and they got some good arms. I mean, I analyze it. I can, I can tell you everything about, the, about their players. I can tell you everything about their, about their program because I, I see it. But I see a lot of... I watch a lot of guys. I watch Sully's team, Corb's team. I watch Dan Top Sully's team. I watch, you know, John Pulaski's team. I watch Tim... Uh, um, Tom Regina's team. I watched Mike Hampton's team. I mean, you know, I watch every everybody and even my buddies that, that that didn't play for me or coach with me. But so, you know, I can I can pretty much tell you the strengths and weaknesses I think of every player and every team that I see, and uh, um, you know all those types of things because that's what my eyes do. That's that's just the the forty years of experience. That's that's how I that's how I, I look at things. But. Um, you know, so it's, it's difficult because uh, I feel like it's just because I didn't feel like I was done and I feel like I still got it in my system and I I just feel like I'm still competitive as ever. And I, my, you know, had a high school team come down here from Vermont last week and I set them up with some uh, places to practice, high schools to practice at, a couple of different high schools, set them up with a couple of different games, took them to the Greenville Drive game, took them to a hitting facility one night. I'm in uniform the whole time. And I'm so I'm coaching, 
and I'm doing cutoffs and relays, pop-up priorities, uh, helping the infielders, talking about base running, you know, all those types of things. It's in my blood. It's it's as good as it ever was, and uh, you know, age, you know, age is, means nothing to me. And so, um, it's the age of your mind, and my mind is is young. So it's it's one of those things where I feel like uh, when I watch a game, it's uh, you know, a Clemson game. It's just frustrating to me because I feel like I want to be in the arena and I want to be in the dugout and I want to be coaching and I want to be, I want to be competing and playing and all that kind of thing. So that's, that's all nothing, nothing, uh, you know, I'm not looking for negativity. I'm not looking for this or hoping for that to happen or whatever. I'm just watching the game and I watch it as a, as a competitor and I watch it as a coach. I'll never forget. It was one of Monty Lee's first practices uh, I, th- I think you showed up to a couple of them, and uh, we are. St- I was standing out there on the concourse uh, talking to you, or out in the mm-hmm. seats, and uh, man, it was so weird and awkward and uncomfortable, because you're looking up at that facility that, like you just said a while ago, you raised money for, spent your own money on, and you never got to, to use it, um, and I think Wait, I remember, sorry. go ahead. No, go ahead. I, was, I think I remember telling you, man, you got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like at, because Clemson being a small town, you know, you're just sort of haunted by it when you're when it's right. so close by. And I think soon after that, you moved to Greenville. Can you reflect on that time? And I guess you're yeah. still trying to process it. Still, maybe I don't know. Still going through the stages of the of the grief of the parting. It's been hard. I mean, I, I can tell you that you know initially when it happened, it's just was so hard to walk back in there. Um, I went because my friend was coaching the University of Maine team. It was the first game was the University of Maine team. And uh, the first weekend that he played, I went, and my other friend who was there, who was assistant athletic director, was there. and he was played, I played football with him in college. and So we sat together, and so that, that made it okay. I watched them play. I might have come back and saw Tom Reginas' team. He wanted me to talk to his team, and I might have come back with one of the other ACC teams and they wanted me Boston somebody wanted me to talk to their team and so forth so I, I came back once or twice next year I maybe came back once or twice maybe not and then I just haven't felt that welcome which is, is uh, you know <laughs> which hurts you know and, and the fans are nice to, great to me people in the stands hey coach glad you're here good to see you people come down and talk to you everything's great the, the people are really good it's just how I feel I just feel still hurt. I feel like it's, uh, they haven't closed the wound. I haven't feel like any, anybody's taken the initiative to, uh, to close the wound down at the baseball field and have the moment that, that, uh, wanted to have and have some closure on it and show that we'd been there on the fence or something that, that, uh, um, would show that we were there. And just that, that part of it was difficult to walk in there because I think the, the prior administrator tried to erase everything that we tried that we did for 22 years and that's that was hurtful and hurtful to all my players it's hurtful to a two and a half decades of players and so um i'm hoping that that graham can do something about that something comes about this differently and that they show the appreciation and respect for our program that we that we had that many years and but it's you know it's been seven years that's a long time to a long time to uh to have it pass without 
doing the right thing. So it's hard to go back. I haven't been back for the last couple of years. And it's, uh, you know, most of the players that I also had, I also went back the next year because a lot of those guys on that team were my former players. And uh, I know they were glad to see me and I was glad to see them. And I wanted to still support them because I had recruited the majority of those guys. And uh, so that was one of the reasons I came back that first year, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to drive in and look at the field that you put so much into and look at the facility and look at everything that, uh, that you really developed over time and had a big hand in. And, um, and so that's, that's why it's been difficult to, to come back. I've been asked to speak to the team. I don't think, you know, players, you know, I'll go to the weight room and I'll see a couple of players and, you know, some of them, you know, like Chad Ferry, I coached his father at, at Western Carolina. He was best hitter. He and Khalil Green, two best hitters. And Monahan, I guess, the three best hitters I ever had. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, I know Chad, and he'll come up and speak to you. And another kid might come up or that introduce me, and they don't know who you are. And they don't know the tradition of the program or the history of it. And, and, uh, and then some of them, of course, do. So it's uh, it's been a, you know, I just I wish it was more inviting. I wish it was more, you know, where I felt a little more comfortable in coming back and going to a game and all that kind of thing. But um, it just hasn't been that inviting, which is too bad. I guess there's not much communication between you and Monty? No, there's not. There's not. Pretty much, you know, we've met a couple times before in the past and, Tried to, you know, bridge the gap a little bit or try to let them know what the things that I hope would happen. And there's just been nothing that's happened. And and so um, it's difficult to go and 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 feel uh, like I, like Wilhelm felt. He wanted the team. He wanted to be there. He wanted to cheer the team on. He wanted to win. He wanted to be a part of it. Or he wanted. I wanted to be a part of it more maybe than, than he did. But, um, you know, and that's, that was just something that I, I felt was important is that my kids needed to know the, the history of the program, needed to know the previous coach, needed to know what this program was all about, the expectations and so forth. And and uh, I think that's something that gotten away from a little bit, which is, which is too bad and, and maybe coming back to – to haunt them a little bit right now, but it's one of those things where I feel like uh, that's an important part of knowing where you're going in the future. Is you got to know your past and you got to know what the tradition is and you got to know what um, you know what that tradition who who was involved in that tradition in the past. And that's why my players are so important. It's why former players I still got a really good relationship with the uh, coach Wilhelm's players. And because I, I wanted them to always feel good with reunion and brought them all back and made them feel good and coach back and coach Wilhelm back and all that kind of thing. And that was something that uh, I think they all appreciated. Jack, is there anything we haven't covered that you want to? No, I think we're good. I think, I think we're good. We're, you know, I hope, uh, you know, I, I don't want to come off as, as someone who's, uh, you know, I didn't appreciate his time at Clemson at all because that is not the case at all. I get some of the best 24 years of memories I've ever had in my baseball life along my time at Western Carolina and at, 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 uh, 
University of Vermont. So that part, I want people to understand. I, I love my time at Clemson and uh, just uh, I would uh, I have an appreciation for Clemson. I have a idea in my mind of what Clemson is all about because I was there for a long period of time and I, I saw some really good administrators and Bobby Robinson and Dwight Rainey and Billy DeAndrea was a really good friend of mine and, and did a great job administering them and, and, and Terry Don Phillips. I mean, they were all great to me and treated me with respect and treated our program with respect and treated it with, uh, and so that was, is difficult to, to see, see the change in that Clemson way of doing things. And, uh, so I, that part of it has been tough on me, but at the same time, you know, I, I moved on and, uh, but obviously we'd love to be, I'm hoping that our error and our players and our coaches and, myself and whatever all of our coaches would be would be remembered as a, a real positive time in Clemson baseball history and uh, that it would be respected and and shown that kind of respect inside that stadium inside on the fence in the, inside that stadium and it's it's just been been difficult to go back <laughs> not not seeing that and uh, I'm hoping that Clemson does the right thing at, at some point and find some good closure on this and uh, and treats that era of baseball in a really, really good light because it's people should be realizing right now that it's pretty good time, pretty good time in Clemson baseball. It'll probably just take more time, you know. Uh, Danny yeah, Ford, yeah. it took a long time. Obviously, circumstances is much different between Danny Ford yeah. and Clemson and, and you and Clemson, but still, right. and that, that it was true in that case, and I think the same, the yeah, same idea. Just, it's been seven years though. It's plenty of time yeah. to do the right thing. It's it's been a long time, and it's it's uh, it, it, with every year. There's twenty two years of Clemson baseball players that are that are not feeling all that good, and it's uh, and and so I think that there's the strong people on that campus. Hopefully, they can figure this thing out and and do things the right way and and see what happens with it. But, um, yeah, there's been plenty of time to, to figure out the right thing to do. Well, what, when you talk to, I don't know if you talk to Graham, Kyle, whoever, what's your, what are the, what's the response that you get when you express the desire and need for this recognition? You know, it's always, Oh, there's a plan. There's a plan. Yeah. We're going to do, you know, nothing happens. So it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I can believe anything anymore. I mean, I just, I'm hoping it's changed and and uh, that we can figure something out. But um, you know, I haven't really talked to him much about it except uh, a couple of times. Spy, and that's that's kind of the thing. Whether yeah, there's a plan in place. Uh, I don't I don't know what that plan is. I hope I'm still alive when that plan comes around. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a long, it's been a while, and the longer it goes on, the the the, the more disconnected you become i guess which is which is too bad because i always wanted to be connected at the hip to clemson it's my you know something i i put my heart and soul in for for a long period of time and gave everything i had and and there's some really i'm hoping that the clemson fans appreciate it and i hope that they look back and go wow you know (laughs) I, i see that this this is uh this is a pretty good era you know, 
not many teams in the country in those 22 years. And then going to Omaha six times, went to nine out of the 16 super regionals. That's, that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good landmark. And so, um, I, I don't know. I just hope something happens. I hope, you know, hope they try to figure this thing out and, uh, and we get back to the tradition, what this program is all about. Jack Leggett, I've really enjoyed this, man. You've been really generous with your time and, and certainly, uh, gracious and, and willing to talk about uncomfortable things. So I really appreciate it. Right. Well, no problem, Larry. It's been good to talk to you, reconnect with you again. And, uh, um, look forward to seeing you in person sometime. All right. Really enjoyed that conversation with coach Leggett. Appreciate him sharing so much of his time with us. Also appreciate the support of our very loyal sponsors all these years. Most of all, thanks to every one of you for hitting play. Cheers.